0: Welcome once again to HBF and you know on Memorial Day we 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 don't have anyone stand and we don't do that because those men and and those and women I suppose too have already given that sacrifice and when you think about Memorial Day for me it's it is a it is like kind of like Steve says it's kind of it's not like happy Memorial Day I know a lot of people go to the lake and have fun and all that but it's really to honor the sacrifice of course of those that given their life and a lot of a lot of the soldiers that I know, many soldiers I know not all but many you know they they don't just they live with the kind of the regret that they lost some of their closest friends and um, and uh, we've had some uh you know members here now that have gone on to be with the Lord that when they thought back on their days uh you know on invasions in World War two and then there's others that have been involved in in other wars, whether it's vietnam or gulf wars and they lose their friends man that they carry that the rest of their time so you got you have those those folks that kind of regret and lament that it wasn't them and then you have those that gave that sacrifice and try to make sense of all of that and and now as as you see our culture is like was it all worth it and of course it's worth it because that's why we're here today to preach the gospel and there's a freedom that comes from that you know when i uh there's a movie uh mel gibson put out several years ago based on colonel hal moore at the time he was he was uh, i think lieutenant colonel Howell Moore. in nineteen sixty five he he organized the first u s air cavalry and uh they dropped into a very difficult situation to put it mildly um, and they though they were outnumbered and successful um, you know the the next day that, that it wasn't so successful and there was a lot of loss suffered in in that initial incursion there in in that particular uh, combat area of, in Vietnam, and one of the things that they showed in that in the movie We Were Soldiers, uh, was the wives waiting at home, as this as the uh, you know the Western Union guy would come with the telegram every day, and the wives were just waiting, you know, on that on that that message, of is it my husband, you know, who did he or did they make it, and uh, and so when you think about that, that was a really I know that was a movie in his make believe, but it isn't. Right. I mean, that, those things really went on and do go on all the time as mothers lose their sons and fathers lose their sons. And, um, you know, it's just a it's a it's a serious and sober sacrifice. So um, so as we gather this morning, to remember the sacrifice, of soldiers and reminded even uh, we're reminded of an even greater war. And praise God, that war uh, has also been won by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's the war between good and evil. And the kingdom light, the kingdom of light, and the power of darkness—a conflict that you know—it opens in Genesis one one um, and one two, and that conflict rages into the New Testament as we are now, as the Bible calls us, sheep counted for the slaughter. And what's so cool about us is death has no sting, right? So, uh, as we mourn the loss of soldiers and all of that, the reality is for us, you know, if you're born again this morning, only to those that are born again, death has no sting right if you're saved there just is no sting in death so um you may die physically but you're going to or you're even going to overcome that you will resurrect that's a promise of 1st Corinthians 15 there's no doubt about it based on the new testament and so there really is no sting in death so we live with a whole different mindset and Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 says who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or uh, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril uh, or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and the devil over the last couple centuries has tried to stomp out bible believing christianity and uh, to no avail right and he can get rid of our books and he can get rid of our videos and he can get rid of a lot of stuff but he cannot get rid of this book and he can't get rid of the gospel because uh, God continues to prevail through the sacrifice of his saints. And that's still going on all over the world right now. Saints are under incredible persecution without any fanfare, without any um, acknowledgement for the most part, uh, without many times. The most weakest among us are the ones that are the most uh, vulnerable to be sacrificed and they're the most precious in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord takes note of those things. And as we celebrate, as we should celebrate heroes in, in regard to military context and freedom of a nation, all that is right. But the Bible also gives us heroes, and um, and because we're victorious through Christ, He's recorded for us some of the heroes of the faith. Paul, writing in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11, the Bible says in verse 32, and and, and uh, what uh, what shall I more say? For in the, in the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and of Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises uh, stopped the mouths of lions quenched the uh, violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong waxed valiant in flight uh, turned to flight the armies of the aliens women received their dead raised to life again others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, uh, of bonds and imprisonments. Uh, they were stoned and they saw and saw in asunder, were tempted and were slain with the sword, and uh, wandered about <clears throat> in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And then the Lord says, Of whom the world was not worthy? They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves, and, and all these uh having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, having uh, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And God is really telling us that we have a very important part to play in the hall of fame of faith. Uh, those that died in faith, as he just accounted, many of them have obscure names not even given, but he, God knows who they are, um, we're waiting on a better promise, and that promise is what we have, that promise that we have in Christ, what I just read in Romans chapter eight. So just as there have been many soldiers die and leave their families uh, for our country, um, and, and it touches many of our lives, uh, there have, well, really all of our lives, um, and there have there's also been many martyrs that have laid down their lives for Jesus' sake. And, uh, and I tell you, the world is not worthy of them. But yet God loves the world, and he gave his son, and he gives us as sacrifices, and so we should be living sacrifices. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. When you come to Memorial Day, the thing that we need to remember is that God has put us here with a purpose and a mission, and that we should set aside all the other drama and all the other stuff and focus on that mission and be who God saved us to be so we can accomplish that which he has saved us to accomplish. So as, as born-again Bible-believing Christians, we look at the sacrifice for freedom differently uh, than the world does. Um and, those, and, and it's not bad to look at any of that in any different direction, but we have a different perspective as we recognize that truly all liberty really comes from God. There really is only freedom because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and everything else kind of is ripples out of that. That's why this country in particular, uh, out of all the nations of the world, is unique in our founding because it was founded on the concept that there was a justice and there was a just God and um, and so even though they rebelled against the king, it was based in the morality of a just God that rewards men. Um, and so, uh, you know, liberty comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And liberty is what we've been talking about. Uh, you know, as you look back in the Bible, you see another nation that was born um, on a moral basis. They haven't gotten the law yet. We'll get to that later. But God has spoke to Moses and said, let my people go. Right. Take this message to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has been mistreating my people. He has kept them in bondage. He is he is brutalizing them. He is killing their children. All of the things that we've already covered. And let them go. And God is the one who calls for liberty and freedom. God is the one who liberates men's souls. Liberty is the subject of our study in Exodus. Uh, and so that transitions very well. When we think about Memorial Day and liberty, we do need to think about God's power and God's purposes in that. We've been studying the call of Israel to leave the bondage of Egypt They, like us, needed to be liberated supernaturally from the oppression of Egypt, which is the type of the world system. And so we've been watching the war for worship uh, turn in God's favor as he has brought us through six judgments to this point upon Pharaoh through the plagues and the the turning of the water to blood, the invasion of the frogs that made their way into Pharaoh's bedchamber and throughout all of Egypt, the lice that was prevalent as the dust of the ground in Egypt, the flies that tormented all the people of Egypt except those Jews separated uh, by god in goshen And then last week we saw plagues five and six as god brought moraine upon all the cattle in the field And subsequently touched all the magicians and the people of egypt with these very painful Boils and blains. Okay, so that brings us up to where we've been And if you have your bibles, I forgot to tell you turn to exodus chapter nine, but you may have already known that So exodus chapter nine is where we're going to be this morning uh, And if you don't have a bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you and turn to page, uh, I think around 94, page 94 is where we'll be this morning, Exodus chapter 9. And we're going to pick it up in verse 13, Exodus chapter 9 and verse 13 this morning. Let's stand in honor of God's word this morning as we read it together. Exodus 9 and verse 13, if you can't stand, that's fine, but if you can, please stand with me. And the Lord said... Set... And, thank you. And the, and the, the, and the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me, for I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart and upon thy servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand that I May smite thee and thy people with a pestilence and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause I have raised thee up for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people that thou wilt not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now. Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die he that feared the word of the lord among the servants of pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses and he that regarded not the word of the lord left his servants and his cattle in the field and the lord said unto moses stretch forth thine hand toward heaven that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. <clears throat> Moses, and Moses stretched forth his uh, rod uh, toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran along the ground and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire and it mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and brake every tree of the field, only the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time, and the Lord is righteous, and I am, I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go. And ye shall say, uh, stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out from the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was boiled. I'm sorry, bold. Uh, Verse 32 but the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, pardon me, and, the, and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord, and the thunders and the hail ceased, and the rain was not, uh, pour, or was, pour, yeah, was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet the more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, uh, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Heavenly Father, as we uh, wrap up this uh, ninth chapter and consider this seventh plague, Lord, we pray, God, a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. I pray a blessing on your people. I pray, God, our hearts would be encouraged in the word of God today. Thank you for a, a Memorial Day week, and thank you for the fun and the family times that we'll all have and all the, the festivities. But at the end of the day, Lord, we are really thankful for the sacrifice of, of faithful men, and the most faithful man is the Lord Jesus Christ himself the God-man who died in our place. Lord, we're so thankful for that. And as we consider the cost of freedom and we look at this seventh plague, we are mindful of your perfect judgment and your perfect mercy. I pray, God, that you would just give hope to this message and make a way to escape to anyone that is in the bondage of sin and the grip of sin and death today. Lord, set them free through the power of the Spirit of God's Word, Uh, Lord, through the promises of Scripture and through, uh, Lord, your incredible grace. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So last week we saw we we saw God give Pharaoh another warning here in Exodus nine uh, one through seven before excuse me before sending that moraine upon all the, the cattle of the field that disease and then that and then that was the fifth plague then we saw God give Pharaoh another whipping right so He gave him a warning then He gave him a whipping and then um, and He gave him that whipping without a warning. Right. So he didn't he hardened his heart and God didn't come and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. He just said, hey, Moses, uh, he didn't he didn't obey. He's not going to obey. Go ahead. And and then he sends that that next plague of boils without warning. Uh, and it was very grievous on that sixth plague. And the magicians were like, we're out. That's it. Pharaoh, we can't stand before Moses. Uh, we are not in on this. We're done. Uh, and so they're out at this point. And, and so that leaves us here to this text that we just read. And in the war for worship, we've seen a warning, a whipping. And this morning, I want to talk about a way to escape, a way to escape. There's some really unique things in this passage in verses 13 through 26. And I didn't want to gloss over them last week. So I just wanted to kind of just start here with the text that we read, because as you read it again, once again, we see this whole drill where God is presenting Moses before Pharaoh. Pharaoh has an opportunity to repent. He doesn't repent, you know, the whole drill. But there's some things in here that are unique. And that's why I've called it a way to escape, because God is giving in his perfect judgment, right? This is the seventh plague. Seven is the number of completion in his perfect judgment. He is giving people um, some perfect mercy. He's giving people a way out uh, in the midst of his judgment, which is just like our God. He is so full of grace and mercy. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter two and verse three, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him how shall we escape so if we neglect so great salvation how is pharaoh going to escape if he continues to neglect so great salvation now not only neglecting his own salvation of course of which he is not interested in obviously but the salvation of God's people he is not interested in the salvation business right he's not interested in the salvation mission uh, look around the world today. There's a lot of people not interested in the salvation business, not the salvation of souls, not the salvation of people. Um, I mean, it's 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 a very, uh, very dark place uh, when you love death. Uh, you know, I was just saw a video this morning. Amy and I flipped on Caleb on our video thing, and there's some commercial comes up about, about uh, you know, loving death. And I was like, oh, Proverbs. Right? Those that lo- hate God love death. I'm like, oh, how appropriate. Right. Uh, Pharaoh does not love God. Many in Egypt do not love God. Many in this world do not love God. Uh, And they're not interested in the salvation that God is offering. How shall they escape? And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So if you're born again, you haven't neglected that salvation uh, because Jesus Christ, his very name means salvation. Don't neglect him. Don't neglect him. So though this passage has not been spoken in Hebrews uh, that I just quoted, Hebrews 2, 3, uh, nor was it even written, it no doubt was resonating in the hearts of many in Egypt. They were asking that question. How shall we escape? How shall we escape? I mean, our leader has led us into a bad situation. How are we going to get out of this? Because we have seen six times. That this is not good for us. He is destroying Pharaoh in his hard heartedness is destroying his his own country because of his pride. And the people are under that that cruel uh, treatment. Um, and, And so I know and the reason I know that is because God gives people a way to escape I would submit to you just as there was a time when moses was out as a shepherd right in the, in the in midian And he's he's uh, he's rolling around there with jethro's sheep and and getting that vocation down That God wants him to have so he can go from a general to somebody who can lead a flock of a nation of people out of bondage As as he's as he's doing that god's people in egypt are praying under the affliction, right? And we know that god answered that prayer with moses. Moses was the answer to prayer and he sends moses in well, guess what? As, as these judgments are coming upon egypt and now israel has been uh, set apart right in goshen and they are sanctified in a sense and they are set apart from these judgments there are people they're egyptians without a doubt gentile egyptians that don't know god of abraham isaac and jacob and they've been praying to their gods and nobody's listening right they can't stop the judgment that's coming and i would suspect somewhere some way uh there's some egyptians going well God, if you're the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Moses, if you're real, I'll join that team because I, I don't want any more boils. I don't want any more lice, I don't want any more dead fish. I don't want. I mean, there, there, there's got to be some Gentiles out there in Egypt saying, uh, hey, if you're the one true God, I'll follow you. Why do I know that? Because God's given people a way to escape. Not just the Jews. In this plague, he gives people an opportunity To pull their cattle and their people out and get them in the house and he doesn't he doesn't just do it without warning Do you think he was doing that for pharaoh's sake pharaoh doesn't deserve any mercy. He doesn't deserve any grace Why would god do that? I submit to you because he loves people Even lost people and he wants to give them a way to escape God wants people that want to be out of the bondage of this world out of this world system Under the, 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 the problems that, that they face because it is a wicked world. They need a way to escape. You know, in a way, when we come here on Sunday, that's kind of what we're doing. We're escaping. We get this cool deal. We get to come together. We get to set our affection on things above. We get to swim around in the Word of God. We, we're, we're like, like air, man. We're free. We're just, we're just, we're just, we're loving the liberty that we've got. And uh, and God has given it to us, yes, through the sacrifice of soldiers, but but also most importantly through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who, whether we live or die, makes us free and gives us that internal freedom that that only Jesus can give. It's it's just something supernatural that we possess when we're in Christ. It's awesome in the true sense of the word, awesome. And so, and so it's amazing. And so they, there's somebody asking that question. It hasn't been written yet, but they're saying, "How shall we escape?" We neglect so great a salvation. And really, I would just define this whole, uh, this whole plague by that, is there are those who want to escape. So though this passage has not been spoken, there are some who will escape this seventh plague. However, as the, as the proverb says, the dog returneth to his own vomit, so the fool returneth to his folly. And, and seest thou a man wise in his own conceit, there's more hope of a fool than of him. Proverbs 26, verses 11 through 12. You know, Pharaoh wanted to be a big dog. In the Gentile world. And he was showing the, the complete and utter, utter foolishness of his pride. In resisting God's mercy and not letting God's people go. Like a dog to his own vomit man. He was just full of pride. And he just kept going back and going back. And he'll continue to go back of course. As we know how the story ends in the Red Sea. So how shall we escape? That is the question. Let me take a few minutes and address that. If you have your outlines in your in your bulletins there. This is point A. Escape by heading. I'm sorry, by heeding, not heading, uh, heeding God's warning. That's the first thing you do. In verses 13 through 19, that's the first step that someone needs to take, is to listen to what God is saying and and heed, take heed to what he's saying. So God, once again, repeats himself to Pharaoh in Exodus 9 and verse 13. In verse 13 there where he says, um, uh, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, we've heard that before, and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews. Last week we talked about the Lord God of the Hebrews. Let my people go that they may serve me. We also talked about let my people go. This is the seventh time God says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And it lines up, of course, with this seventh plague. It's perfect judgment coming upon uh, this man, Pharaoh, and this nation. So God's warning and his wrath are perfect. Pharaoh is just too blind to see it so as pharaoh starts a new day once again trusting uh in the the gods of egypt to bring order from chaos imposed on the land uh by the lord jesus christ by uh, by the the lord god of the hebrews he suddenly sees uh, moses standing before him and by now uh, he knows what that means i'm sure he's going oh no not this guy again here we go so we don't know how much time has passed uh between this last plague the sixth plague and the seventh one but we do know that enough time has passed for them to once again have populated the field because you'll remember right the moraine took out all the cattle and so now we have cattle again so some uh, you know some decent amount of time has passed and we don't we're not given the details so i wonder i just kind of imagine how that all happened how they get that repopulated and so i think i think it's fascinating uh, you know, the farmers here know how that goes if if a crop gets destroyed uh, We saw last week last week I showed a video of out in western kansas and texas, right? They anywhere between two thousand to ten thousand cattle like last year just dropped dead. They still Was it heat? I don't know people don't know they don't know We're like that's kind of weird. But anyway, whatever happened um Well, you call your insurance company <laughs> you know, You're like, hey, I need some more money to cover that. Hopefully you're insured. Maybe you're not if you're not insured What happens you go out of business? And so, um, I, you know, I don't know. They had to, they had to, they had to deal with that. They had to repopulate the cattle. Of course, there was probably some under roof that, that survived. But, uh, I also consider the, the fact that this could have really helped the Jews because we know where the, we know where the plagues weren't hitting. And, you know, we saw last week, Pharaoh even sent people out to check that out to see and verify. Yep. The, there's nothing happening down in Goshen. So now, where would be a good source of supply? Well, you, could you imagine that? After the plagues, hey, uh, don't tell anybody, but I'm with Pharaoh. Uh, can we buy some cattle from you guys? <laughs> you know. And so uh, I don't know if they got that from the Jews or not, but uh, or they got it from neighboring, neighboring countries, but somehow they were able to repopulate the fields again. And we, we know and understand that historically uh, war is good for bankers as they loan money to both sides and get very rich in the, in the uh, business of death and destruction. But in this case, it certainly uh, wouldn't have hurt the Jews to have their cattle unscathed, right, from the previous plagues and have the blessing of God upon their lives and their property, right? So we saw last week God was not just protecting their lives. He protected their property. And that could be very advantageous because this is a war for worship, right? We, we know how that goes. There's a war in Ukraine, right? And everybody's just spending money willy-nilly uh, trying to spend their way through it. Uh, I don't know how the cattle... Uh, that died in the moraine were re- replaced, but we do see that God is clearly targeting them again. So it'd be like, okay, I, I got my insurance money, uh, we're gonna replant again, you know, next cycle, get the crops back up, you know, odds are nothing's gonna happen again, <laughs> and bam, here comes, here comes that crop's gone again. So God is really, I mean, He's like, He's like, you know, jab, jab, bam, you know, He's just really knocking them, uh, financially in the mouth. And so God announces the target of this plague in verse 14, where he says, For I will at this time send all my plagues upon the heart. It's really not in the field, although the field's is subject of the plague. He's really dealing with the heart of Pharaoh and upon thy servants and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. And so as, as we've gone through this series, you've heard me talk a lot about how Pharaoh worships these pagan gods. And sure, surely he did. And he did believe that. And he believed he was you know, uh, born of the, the the deities and all of that uh, business. But at the end of the day, I suspect the way God addresses this in, in verse 14, he's like what Paul said, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? And God knows the reason he's he's attacking him financially is because it's going to hit him, Pharaoh, in the heart. This is a hit. this is her. he's destroying the economy, the thing that, that makes him wealthy and, and makes him who he is and gives him all of this clout. And God is hitting him in the heart. Clearly, God is aiming for the heart of Pharaoh. And though his heart is hard, God is still targeting it to prove the uh, his power over the wicked nature of man. And the heart that will uh, not be won by Christ will be judged by Christ. Think about that. The heart that will not be won by Christ will be judged by Christ. God wins either way. This is a fundamental lesson all men everywhere need to understand. Truly, every knee, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Uh, three times in scripture, God mentions every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Once in Isaiah and twice in the New Testament. Once in Romans and once in Philippians, right? So God is, makes it very clear. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess today is the day of salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Today is the day. So notice that God tells Pharaoh he will send all the plagues upon Pharaoh's heart. This is interesting as the magicians uh, pointed out to Pharaoh in Exodus eight nineteen that the lice was the finger of God. So the magicians, they were clued in. By this time we get to that sixth plague. The magicians can't even stand before Moses in Exodus nine eleven. They had enough wisdom to understand, hey, hey, Pharaoh, if they were listening, if he was listening to the magicians, hey, as bad as it is, we haven't dealt with his hand. This is just the finger. Hey, he might want to take a clue here, Pharaoh. This God has just put his finger on us. He hasn't come down on us yet. But in this plague, chapter, in chapter seven, number seven, God is like, hey, I'm bringing all my plagues. I'm bringing it all. A-L-L. And so, uh, those magicians are nowhere to be found. They already, they were done. They were, they understood this was no God to mess with. They did not have near the power. Uh, they're like, hey, don't, don't call us. <laughs> we'll call you, Pharaoh, because this is way over our, this is way over our pay grade. We cannot take any more of God's wrath. They were done. The magicians were very wise and perceptive to understand that God was holding back His judgment uh, to this point. History has, has already documented that god's full wrath would and could destroy the planet right in genesis 6 I mean he when, he didn't give any warning other than to moses um, Moses was the warning some guys building a boat. It's never rained before, you know, this is the warning If you want to know what's going on talk to noah And then his full judgment comes barreling down on the earth in genesis 1924 It's a it's a localized thing, but it's still the residue still still there today in sodom and gomorrah You know God wiped out that entire region of the planet with fire and brimstone. And it sits there to to this day along the Dead Sea as a reminder of the severity of God's wrath. God did not have to give Egypt any warnings. But he chose to go through this long process of these ten plagues. So we could, even today, sit and talk about each one of these and look at God's and understand God's judgment and wrath. Now he does say all the plagues... Um, now all the plagues indicates it's not the, just the finger of god. It's the fullness of god's wrath And so there's an illustration when my kids were little um, you know uh, There were times when they would they could probably I don't know if my poor daughter's probably traumatized But if they were getting their hand into something I would just flick their hand like get your hand get that You know what that was that was the finger of dad Just the finger to any uh, don't raise your hand anyway I know you can't do that. Don't I hope that no one from Child Protective Services is listening. So, uh, but you know, you tell them no, and hey, hey, hey. flick the finger, right? Don't don't do that. And that was enough. You know what? That's that's what God's doing to, to Pharaoh. He's just like nope. <laughs> nope. He's just kind of flicking them. And now it's like no, we're, we're going to go with the full force. We're going to get out the rod. I'm tired of messing with you. You're going to get all my plagues. They're going to get a, another whipping. So this is a picture for us of, of what will occur in the coming tribulation. You know, when the seven there's going to be seven vials poured out upon the earth. The Antichrist will face trouble uh, as he ascends to power in the tribulation. And the planet will be full of death and destruction. Yet it's not until God pours out all his vials that the force of God's judgment is felt upon the Antichrist and those who dwell upon the earth and follow him. It's going to be a, it's going to be a terrible time. Um, and that I know that slide's been on the screen so you can see it But it's just a picture what you see in the old testament is just a foreshadow Of a time yet future at the end of the seven-year tribulation when all of god's wrath is going to be poured out on this earth because They rejected jesus christ the son of god Israel rejected him this world's rejecting him and once the church is pulled out It's going to be on like donkey kong and so Uh, And by the way, that that full judgment is is saved, it's very incremental, until the end, until the end, when the wrath, the full cup of God's wrath is poured upon this earth. And even then, by the way, God has mercy. He doesn't destroy everyone and everything. Uh, He comes back and restores the nations and fulfills his prophecy just as he promised. You know why God doesn't, God is not the author uh, of confusion and he is not, he doesn't take delight in the death of sinners. He does it because it's the only way to preserve life. He is judging them justly. And and so God tells Pharaoh exactly what's coming in Exodus 9.15 because Jesus' testimony is the spirit of prophecy according to Revelation 19.10. He just demonstrates over and over again. He said, this is what's coming, and then it comes. This is what's coming, and then it comes. And you know what? Pharaoh just keeps missing it and just keeps missing it and just keeps missing it. When I was a child, I would always hear people say, well, they've been saying the world's coming to an end forever. Have you ever everybody ever heard that, you know, and minimizing the Bible and all of that? Uh, and so uh, and so when I got well, before I got saved, actually, that very thing is what got me saved. It's like, well, the Bible's been saying this forever, huh? Uh, let me do some research. And once I started looking into what the Bible actually did say, I'm like, uh, I'm reading this thing in Revelation. None of this has happened yet. And it's not exactly the, you know, just when you start really reading the Bible for what it says, you start to realize that, wow, this thing is not only accurate in history, it's accurate in prophecy, right? God says, I'm bringing some judgment, some judgment's coming. Some people ought to be listening to that. And they ought to be saying, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect Jesus Christ and his grace? We're going to go take it to the streets today. You know, ultimately, uh, let's just get to the end of the, the thing. Yeah, we're going to have church in the park. Yeah, we're going to have VBSs. But really what we're trying to do is tell people, look, there's a way to escape. There is judgment that will come. Yeah, yeah, you may not see the rapture. You may not see the second coming. You could die tomorrow in a car wreck. That can happen. And it's okay. It doesn't bother. But you're still going to face judgment. You're going to stand before a holy God, either with Jesus Christ as your advocate or at the great white throne with Jesus Christ. Not as your advocate and be cast in the lake of fire. So everyone needs to be prepared for that day of death. And the wise man lays it to heart. And they find that Jesus, his very name is salvation. I mean, how could, God can't make it any more clear. Receive salvation. Receive Jesus. Same thing. Jesus Christ is salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So God's purpose for dragging out Pharaoh's judgment is revealed in verse 16. It says, in, "In he says, and in very deed for this cause, I have raised thee up. Pharaoh, you want to know what your purpose is? It's not to be a great Pharaoh and and, and all of that. It's, it's so I can, for the rest of time and eternity, use your hard heart as an example of what not to do. For to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Pharaoh, I'm going to use you. To do the very thing that you don't want to do. It. You're going to exalt my name. Your hard heartedness is going to be used for generations. To promote my glory and my power. And everybody's going to know. That, that this happened in Egypt. It's a fact. God is revealing that, that to Pharaoh. And he is simply now an object lesson. For the rest of the earth. And all of his pomp and circumstance. He was no more than a teaching example. In Romans 9.21. God will cite Pharaoh as a vessel unto dishonor. Romans 9:17 says, "For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, and I have that I might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth." I need to show some people that I have some power, so I'm going to take the most powerful man on the planet, and I'm going to toy with him and show everybody how powerful I am. Because Pharaoh is nothing for God. He's nothing. and But God was was showing everybody else how powerful he was. He was showing Pharaoh as well how powerful he was. And his name would be declared throughout all the earth. In verse 18 it says, Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, thou art that replies against God. Shall the thing formed say unto, to, uh, unto it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay, and the same lump to make one vessel unto honor, and another unto dishonor? We see that God quotes directly from Exodus at the end of Romans 9.17, that, that I may show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. So there's a principle of Bible study here, and that is to take a note when God repeats himself, and God's repeated himself in Romans chapter nine, and quoting from the Old Testament. Now, our Calvinist friends go off on a tangent here in this passage uh, to justify predestination, uh, because you know, of course, uh, the, you know they show that uh, Pharaoh was a, a vessel created for destruction, and he had no will in this. Now, I've already established for you that, that half of the time Pharaoh was hardening his own heart before this process even began. Pharaoh was worthy of judgment and death. So it isn't it isn't that God. From the birth, from birth, was just knew that Pharaoh was going, he knew because he's on mission, but he wasn't destining uh, anyone to, to die. He, gives all men, he wants all men everywhere to repent. He makes that very clear in Acts chapter 17. Uh, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. People have a decision to make. But what, is God, what is God showing us in Romans 9? It's that he is sovereign for sure, and he does use the hardness of both Pharaoh and the Jews to redeem a remnant uh, in the coming tribulation. In the church age, it is those of all peoples, nations, tribes, and tongues who receive the gospel by faith. As he progresses through Romans 10 through 11, Paul sets forth that God has left a remnant in Israel to fulfill the covenant promises of Abraham upon the fullness of the Gentiles when they become in at the end of the church age. So only only somebody that, uh, uh, you know, I don't know who can miss it, but somebody can miss it. Um, this clear teaching in Romans, you can only miss it if you're beguiled by philo and augustine's theology of zeus which has been brought into the church through john calvin today and so a lot of people get their minds corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ but i'll tell you who didn't miss it and that's cecil b DeMille. you guys know who that is he's like the father of modern um uh movies and uh and so he cashed in on that promise of exodus uh and also romans that god would would magnify his power to all the generations right through the whole world i mean he's still doing it so in the in the this guy was born in around the turn of the century 19 early 1900s. so uh he made the movie moses in the 50s it's like 1956 we're still watching that thing and there's i mean it's a, it's a classic for sure it's one of the most if you adjust it for inflation and all the different things it's still one of the most profitable movies the world has ever seen why because he was just fulfilling what God said. Pharaoh, I'm going to use you to show the world my power, even into the 20th century and then the 21st century. I mean, that is exactly what happened. Charlton Heston made a good he's still Is he still alive or is he dead yet? I don't know. But anyway, uh, Pharaoh's legacy will go on and on and on. So why is Pharaoh such a knucklehead? Because that's what God said He was in Exodus nine seventeen, Pharaoh, you're just a knucklehead. And for the rest of time, and turning, I'm going to show everybody this is what a knucklehead is, and it's you, pal. And uh, and that's just it. As that, as yet, exaltest thou thyself against my people? Thou will not let them go. I mean, that's the, that's exactly where Pharaoh's at. You are just a hard, you're as stubborn as a Missouri mule. That's I mean, that's another way of putting it. You're just so stubborn. If you want to be a knucklehead, exalt yourself against God's people. That's exactly what Hitler did, and it ended up being uh, being notori- he ended up becoming notorious in history, just like Pharaoh. When you hear about Hitler, you think just like Pharaoh. That's what happens when you exalt yourself against God's people. So we live in a unique time in history today, uh, because before 1948, before Hitler, uh, there wasn't a, a, a nation of people, the Jews, gathered together in Israel like there are today. God used Hitler again to promote his, his plan for the nation of Israel. So we're living in that Romans 9 through 11 section. It's like come to life for us in the last 70 years because God has taken the nation of Israel, that, that remnant, and he has brought them into the promised land. And, and now we can understand much more clearly what God is talking about in Romans 9 through 11 when he's talking about delivering a remnant and, and when the fullness of the Gentiles be come in and what's going to happen with the jews promises in the old testament and so it's it's very important because along with calvinism comes a theology called replacement theology that takes the promises of israel and takes it to themselves just like pharaoh wanted to take everything that israel had and make it his there are there are theologians and there are nations that want to take all the promises given to israel and there are religions by the way as well and want to take all those promises that god gave israel and take them to themselves that's not what we do we take Jesus to ourselves. That's our that's our inheritance, Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah, for sure. He's all we need. We don't need the promised land. We don't even need this planet because we got all we need in, in Jesus Christ. But yet there is there are complete movements and there are motions in this earth and there will be wars yet ahead over what I just told you, people trying to reclaim the promises of the nation of Israel. And so if you watch the news and geopolitical activity, always remember that. That israel even to this day just as pharaoh was in the center of a conflict with god over israel and getting them to the promised land So today all the geopolitical activity is moving around What god is doing in israel And it's noticeably absent in the news, by the way Used to be a time you turn on the news and every every news section was what was going on in israel What's going on in the middle east? What's going? On? You know, you don't hear anything crickets 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 you see, you ought to pay attention to these things because there's still action. A friend of mine just got back just uh, last week from from the Middle East, and he went to Israel. He was going to take a tour. couldn't go. Had to do an, a different tour because the friction between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Don't even hear about it in the news. Used to be that'd be on the news. I don't, I'm just saying. Uh, I know a lot of that I just said went over a lot of heads, so just... Okay, we'll get back down to the basics, but there's a lot in this when you look at this And you look at what's going on in the world and you see pharaoh and his hard-heartedness There's just a lot of practical application today in the knuckleheads that hate god's people both the church And god's promised people the nation of israel what god will have uh, For store in store with them as he eventually will let them inherit this earth So today you could visit hell if you could if we could go to hell, you know, what? Pharaoh and Hitler, Yasser Arafat would all tell us to trust Christ as Savior and bless God's people. Don't don't face their faith. Don't be a knucklehead. Several years ago, I was invited to a a breakfast with a a prominent politician. And they had all these pastors sitting around. And and they're like, what can we do for you? You know, so I'm always like sitting on my hands. You know, I'm like, nothing. But I I did come up with an answer. Um, I said, listen, this is what you can do. Two things. Number one support israel that's biblical that's the only geopolitical activity i'm going to say from the pulpit uh that's political in nature because that's biblical that's that's biblical number two stay out of the church please if you do those two things hallelujah to you and that's all i said support israel and stay out of the church give us space and we'll be happy happy you don't need i don't need any help we don't need any money we don't need any promises we don't need anything just let us be free just let us sit on our little 20 acres and preach the gospel. That's all we need to do, and I'll be happy. Uh, and so that's what I told them. Why? Because you know what? I, I, I don't want to get involved in all that business. God's already won that war. So point B, and I'm going too slow. There's another way to escape, by fearing God's wrath. In verses 18 through 21, God is gracious in giving Pharaoh his servants and his people 24 hours to get every man and beast out of the field. It says, Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause it uh, to rain very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation of the earth, or since the foundation thereof, even until now. Uh, Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them and they... Not might die. They shall die. They will die. So God has proven that he will kill fish and he'll kill cattle. Now he says every man and beast. Every man and beast. Now he's killing men. He's like, listen, if you if you value your life, you would have listened to what I'm saying. I'm giving you 24 hours. And God means business because he's gone into the, a new level of judgment. Is he's not just willing to execute uh, the animals and, the, and, the, and all those things. He's now executing humans, and the blood of this judgment will be upon Pharaoh for not believing and heeding the call of God. It's no accident that the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Second Corinthians six two, for He saith, I have heard thee in an acceptable, <clears throat> in a time acceptable, and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, today is the day of salvation. God gives warning. He gives them a 24-hour window, and somehow that message spreads throughout all of Egypt. And there are people that are able to pull their people in and their, and their animals in. They probably had to put them in their houses and their dwelling places. Now, Paul is pulling a quote in Second uh, Corinthians 6-2 from Isaiah 49-8. Jesus' name, as I've already mentioned, is salvation. And the day uh, to come to the household of faith... Is today and it's through Jesus Christ who is salvation. And this is the message. God is telling all men everywhere to repent. If you died within the next 24 hours, would you be certain that you would be protected? That you would be saved because of Jesus Christ? That is the very question that all of us should be able to answer right now. If you have any doubt in your mind, you need to settle that right now. Today is the day of salvation. So we see a beautiful example here of God's grace to those who fear his name and believe His word and I do want to give you some good news today. Those that obey it by faith They get to escape isn't that amazing in verse 20. It says he that feared the word of the lord Among the servants of pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses There were people that feared god's word and they were able to save their their cattle and their and their herdsmen And and it says in verse 21 and he that regarded not the word of the lord left his servants and his cattle in the field after all of those six plagues, there were still people like, well, I'm going to take my chances with the gods of Egypt. <laughs> Good luck, pal. And you lost everything. The cattle and the herdsmen were, were brought into the house by faith. Note the spread at which this message had traveled was an, an incredibly fast without the Internet. And, the, and somehow it was able to spread. Man, I would to God we would be that urgent with our message. What if we knew Jesus was coming back in 48 hours? How urgent would we be right now? We'd put church in the park on hold, man. We'd have church in the church. We'd have church in the street. We have church in every house. We'd be telling everybody everywhere, get saved today. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We ought to have an urgency, beloved, because judgment is coming. This is, and also, this is also kind of similar. It's not exact, but it's similar to what's going to come with the Passover. Uh, as this death comes upon the, the people in the field, those that bring them in and at God's word, end up having the death pass over their cattle and pass over their servants. So God is giving grace to these Gentiles that will obey his word. This picture also there of the tribulation period, those that support Israel and don't take the mark of the beast, even though they may give their lives, will still have an opportunity to resurrect into eternal life. Point C, escape by experiencing God's amazing grace. And praise God. That's, how, that's what we want to experience is, is God's amazing grace. In verse 23, it says, And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire along the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. Now, wait a minute. He didn't say anything about fire on the ground. No, he didn't. That's the second time he said, This is what I'm going to do, and the plague's even worse than what he said. He's, there was a little fire in there with it. And so uh, this is an incredible thing that, that goes on there's there's fire mingled with hail very grievous such as there was none like it in all the land of egypt since it became a nation and the hail smote throughout all the land of egypt so it wasn't localized it was everywhere and all that was in the field both man and beast just as god said and the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field so it looked like a war zone as moses stretches forth his hand to heaven uh, he was declaring his authority over the egyptian god set the god of the atmosphere who controlled the storms Also over the god Shu that controlled the wind and the god nut um, The god of the sky not, none of those three gods that trinity of gods were able to hold back what god was going to do And none of those gods could compare uh, With the power of the god of abraham isaac and jacob the lord god of the hebrews so fire Again was not mentioned but god brought it with such force that it killed the men and the beasts that were in the field And the trees were broken down like it looked like a a 20th century battlefield in Europe or something with all the trees and everything all blown up. I couldn't imagine the incredible destruction during that storm. Yet in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there wasn't one drop of hail. There wasn't any fire. Those people were safe and sound. What a beautiful picture of God's protection and provision. Beloved it's important as christians that we set our affections on things above that we believe what the word of god says Because today you could be filled with fear you could be filled with torment, but you got to know Beloved we are saved. That's what we run around saying. We're saved but sometimes we act like we're not We act act like oh, no, the sky is falling the sky is falling Well, it kind of is falling at times, but i'm talking about judgments coming, right? We all understand that but man, there's hope in christ We are the hope of the world. We are the pillar and ground of the truth if there's no hope here. There ain't no hope we are the place where people come in a dark and dying world to find out that there is life and there is light and there is grace and there is power. And we are not given the spirit of fear, but power, love and a sound mind. What a gracious thing that we are given through God. Romans 8 says this in verse one. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk after the uh, not after the flesh, but after the spirit for the law, the spirit of life in Christ. Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We are free. The moment you trust Christ as Lord and Savior, you've been spared the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 speaks of the coming tribulation. It says this, For God had not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, it's not about being alive or dead physically, whether we wake or sleep, we should live with him. That is the promise. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. God says, look, You need to be careful not to get caught up in in the judgment that's coming because you have been spared that judgment. You have not been appointed to that wrath. Why? Because all that wrath was put on my son 2,000 years ago. When you trusted Christ as Savior, the wrath was already put on him. That's why you go free. You are free indeed. And, uh, man, what a blessing it is to be born again this morning. I hope you understand and embrace that freedom that we have in Christ the church is uniquely promised to be delivered from the wrath that is slated uh, to come upon this earth during the tribulation period. We're not—we're not only saved from the judgment of God upon men for rejecting Christ as Savior. We're spared from the judgment of God that's slated to be poured out on the earth during Daniel's 70th week, also known as the tribulation period. So let me recap real quickly. So we—we uh, we need to find a way to escape God's judgment, and we will when we take heed to God's warning, escape God's wrath, and experience. God's amazing grace. And the last part of this text, in verses twenty-seven through thirty-five, we see this. Uh, in verse in verse twenty-seven, it says, "And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron, and said unto them, I have sinned this time, and the Lord is righteous, and I have I and my people are wicked, and so entreat the Lord, uh, for it is enough <clears throat> that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer." point A here is offer repentance uh that needs not to be repented of. If you want to miss God's mercy, uh if you want to make sure that you are condemned like a knucklehead, just do repentance that needs to be repented of. That's all you got to do. Just like that's what Mo, that's what uh, that's what Pharaoh did. If you if you want a way to you want to find a way to mess it up, find a way to to, to just be in the in the crosshairs of God's judgment, just offer repentance that needs to be repented of. Because that's what Pharaoh does, time and time again. He gives lip service and then he goes back. He gives lip service and then he goes back. I wonder how hard it was for the messengers to fetch Moses and Aaron. I look at that text and I think, you know, Moses is fine, or uh, Pharaoh's had enough. He's like, go, go get Moses and Aaron. Well, it's it's raining like like man-killing hail. And fires coming out of the sky and everything's being destroyed. Hey, would you go run an Aaron? I need you to run over here and get moses and aaron So somehow, you know, I don't know how many guys servants went down on the process, but they got the message And uh, they come back and moses and aaron make their way through all of that And they stand before moses or I mean uh, moses stands before pharaoh And pharaoh says, you know this time I've sinned and i'm wicked and my people are wicked this time, like what, dude? You don't get. The, you don't get what's going on here. This time, every time, you are not a god, Pharaoh. And he's growing, and and so so we're in a situation where Moses is so gracious. And I'm going to cut the the chase because of the time, but he, he's just he's just not offering. Real godly sorrow right the bible tells us in second corinthians 7:10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of but the sorrow of the world worketh death For time's sake i'm just going to cut to the chase. What is wrong with pharaoh? He's sorry for the consequences He's not sorry That he has offended The god the lord god of the hebrews He is not humbled and can try it before that god He just wants out of the circumstances very clearly. And yet Moses is willing to accept that. But you know what Moses says? He says, hey, Pharaoh, uh, I'll answer your request. We'll let, you know, I'll go out and we'll get this thing taken care of once I get outside the city. So that means Pharaoh had to watch Moses walk through the midst of the fire and the hail and, and through all of the thunderings, walk through the city. I don't know how big the city was, but it could have been huge and and so it could have taken a little bit of time and he walk and they're walking through and obviously nothing's happening to Moses and Aaron. They're just trolling right through the middle of all this like nothing's going to touch them. Because you know why? Nothing's going to touch him. I mean, that in itself Pharaoh had to be just like that's impressive. <laughs> you know, that's impressive. But the guy's heart, man, just he was just a, it was a it was a false repentance. If you want to miss what God's doing, just feign your repentance. Just feign and go along to get along. I did that before I was saved. I remember, are you born again? Oh, yeah, I'm born again. Well, I make up some story. I wasn't saved. I was lost as a goose. I was like Pharaoh. I was lying. Pharaoh's lying. He's not repentant. He doesn't believe he's wicked. And you know who knows that? Moses does. Moses tells him that uh, before he walks out. He says, hey, Pharaoh, um, um, Look in verse 29, and Moses said unto him, as soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail. I'm going to keep my word, God's going to keep his word, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But look in verse 30, but as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was bold. Uh, but the wheat and the rye were not smitten for they were not grown up it's amazing god uh, is willing to 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 bring this to a a, st- a stop he's willing to, to give again mercy he knows that the i mean moses he says it in verse in verse 30 he knows hey listen pharaoh you're not going to change but you know what i'm going to keep my word god's going to keep his word and then on top of that point b don't miss out on god's mer- on the on The mercy of god provides in the midst of judgment man. What a good god he is Don't miss out on the on on the mercy god provides in the midst of judgment As as he's telling pharaoh you're playing games with god. He says oh and by the way All the crops that god destroyed There's still some in the ground for you So your people can still eat Yeah, you lost everything on the top. It's going to be an economic hit But you'll have to wait, and and I think it is the, what is it? The the wheat and the rye, they're still underground. They'll come up, just so you know, Just, just so you can feed some people around this place. I didn't utterly destroy everything. Why? Because God is merciful. Don't mistake God's meekness for weakness. He could destroy everything. He did destroy everything in Genesis 6. He did destroy everything in Sodom and Gomorrah. He will pour out his vials upon this earth. But right now God is just saying, hey, as bad as you think it is, I'm offering you mercy. I'm offering you grace. There is a way to escape. Don't be a knucklehead. Don't be like Pharaoh. Don't harden your heart against God. Why does God do that? Because you know what? We all in different ways sit in judgment and we are not perfect judges like God is. But I tell you, one of the things that softens the heart, and this is the heart of the matter. God said early on, He says, I'm coming after your heart, Pharaoh. You know what the Bible says in Romans 2 and verse 3? And thinkest this, O man, that judges them which do such things and doest the same? You could just put in parentheses, hypocrite, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Or despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You know what God was doing in his mercy? He was dealing not just with the heart of Pharaoh, but with any Egyptian heart that would come to repentance. And he was showing his goodness in the midst of his judgment. He could have wiped out everything, but he chose not to wasn't because pharaoh was going to change but there were others that would and we know that because when the children of israel leave not only do they loot literally they all these egyptians are like let me bless you we got the message man here you go take our gold take all this stuff with you many of them went with them and there became what's called a mixed multitude because some of those jews some of those egyptians decided hey i think i'll just go with you The Bible is full of examples of Gentiles like Ruth and and Rahab and others who get in on the promises of God and escape the judgment of God because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. God's dealing with the heart. heart, uh, uh, Pharaoh was also blind because of his hard-heartedness, and it was indicative of those that he truly served the one he truly served. In Job 41, the Bible says, "Upon the earth there is not like like or not his like." Speaking of this creature named Leviathan, he is made without fear. He beholdeth all high things. He is king over all the children of pride. What what is it that keeps people from missing God's mercy? It's following the king of pride. I mean, Pharaoh's heart was hard because, well, He followed the king of pride. He followed Satan. Leviathan is a type of Satan. And it's noted that he is the king of all the children of pride. Pharaoh won't submit to God's goodness because he is submitted to the wrong king. Ra will eventually take Pharaoh to the underworld with him and never return. If you want to miss out on God's mercy, just continue to follow the king of pride. And be sorry for consequences of sin. Instead of the cause of sin. And what that's done to the Messiah. In a New Testament sense. What that means to Jesus. How many people we know. Oh I got caught. Oh I got went to jail. Oh this oh that. Oh God save me. But they're not really concerned about what Jesus did on the cross. 2000 years ago. And what that cost a holy God. To send his son to cover. Not to cover. To cleanse our sin. To cleanse our sin. When we come to faith in Christ, that's what we're dealing with. The cost of a holy God to pay for our sin, grasping hold of the love of God, it eclipses all of our sin. You cannot out God's goodness. You cannot out God's love. God loves us, and in his mercy and grace, yeah, things happen in our life, but he's still extending mercy so that we can be saved, so we can trust Jesus. Now, by God's grace, I pray that we're all in the Amen Choir this morning, and we know Jesus as Savior. But if you don't, how, how shall you escape? If you neglect so great salvation, don't be sorry that you got caught. Man, be sorry for what it costs to cover your sin. That's what we're sorry about, man. That's why we come to faith in Christ, because it's a glorious grace when we understand that our sins are thoroughly washed in the blood. As the old hymn goes, are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? They either are or they're not. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You know, it really boils down to this one thing, the heart. That's why Romans ten nine and 10 says, For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, right? But where's the belief going on? In the heart. You could tell in Egypt who believed in their heart. They brought those cattle in. They brought those herdsmen in. And they made provision because they knew judgment was coming. I don't know who you are, who I'm talking to in the atmosphere here. But if you don't know judgment's coming and you're not making provisions to get in Christ, you are as foolish as Pharaoh. And it's a heart condition. God uses the word of God to penetrate the heart. It's like a sharp, two-edged sword. And God wants to deal with the heart. He gave his son for our sin. You know what God wants us to do is give our heart. And man, he will usher us into the household of faith and judgment will pass over us. It's a beautiful truth of the word of God. Amen.